Hit record now. Okay, lovely. Welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Morning. How, how are you? Morning, Tom. I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, Stoke and nine unbeaten. 2-2 draw at Villa Park. Tom, you went, which is uh, nice for you. No, it wasn't. Uh, what did you, what? It was cold. I've never been so cold at a football match in my life. I thought I was dying of like hypothermia or frostbite or a mixture of both. It was cold. Yeah. Mm. But were you warmed by the performance on the pitch? Yeah. It didn't make me colder, which was good. <laughs> I thought... I thought the Villa are like the form team in the league at the minute and to go there and I said be robbed. Some people have disagreed with me on that, but I think we were really. Uh, I think it was, it's not like me to complain about refereeing decisions, but some awful refereeing basically gave Villa, like they had a few chances, but the, their main chances came from just shite refereeing and Stoke on a whole mm. were good. Yeah. Mm. So we're nine unbeaten now. Uh, Tom, do you remember the last time Stoke went nine unbeaten? No. I'm not even going to try. Would I surprise you if I said the last time Stoke went nine unbeaten was actually during a ten-game unbeaten run in the last season of Tony Pulis? That that wouldn't surprise me, actually, because I've now just remembered we were really good until January. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's exactly that uh, period I'm talking about. Uh, the game that took it to 10 was the 3-3 draw at home to Southampton with Cameron Jerome's last-minute oh, thunderbolt. Uh, yeah, so in that 10-game run, we uh, I think we won five and drew five. I'm just seeing if maths is right. Yeah, won five, won five drew five. Uh, in this nine-game unbeaten run, we've won three and drawn six. A lot of people concerned about, yet again, this failure to hold on to a victory. And it is gut-wrenching. Uh, I, I mean, even from from my view on the stream, I thought we created the better chances. We could have and should have buried, buried them. So conceding a, a soft goal like that at the end, well, not right at the end, but... But I think this time people feel a bit different than they did when it happened against Reading or against yeah, Sheffield we, Wednesday. We, we people haven't are, had anyone saying that perhaps Gary Rowett can't turn this around ever and things are only going to get worse this time. So so what has changed, do you think? Do you think people are slowly being won round to, to Rowett because of this unbeaten run? Or do you think uh, performances have kind of stepped up a, another gear? Uh, I think it's it's probably more of the former than it is the latter because I don't think the performances in the past like five games, definitely sort of since Klukas came into the team, have really differed too much. If anything, if we're looking at like XG and just a bit more of a general performance, the, the Derby win, which felt like the big sort of moment was probably mm. the worst performance because we were down to 10 men and couldn't keep the ball. We did it well at times, but but I'm not, I'm not saying that was a bad performance. I'm saying that that's sort of, that's now the level that we're at where a performance like that can be considered the worst of a few games. Yeah, we haven't had the results, but I do think, 
I said it last time that we had that bad start and so and, and that was always going to take a lot to get over um, and I think I think it might just be changing now and because we're coming into this run of Christmas period where games come thick and fast and that's a bit of a cliche yeah. and things change the league changes in this time so I don't know I'm, I'm almost excited mm. but does that uh, inability to hold on a lead uh still concern you or do you think that will be something that will gradually fade out the the better Stoke continue to play I, I don't know what to make of it because I I think my overwhelming take on it is that it's just like a a weird anomaly that's happening and we just had a lot of occurrences of that anomaly um and there isn't any underlying factor as to why it's happening it's not like Stoke uh, faded so, so like in the Villa game there was a period after we'd scored and sort of just before they got that penalty when we dropped off and it, it was a bit worrying but that was sort of after 60 minutes it wasn't to the end of the game and as soon as they scored we went straight back up the other end near enough and, and uh, took the lead again and then for most of the match from that point onwards I thought that we had them pinned so deep I remember one specific moment where we had the ball and you sort of saw the, the Villa midfield. I think it was Hurahan, Whelan and someone else. And they all sort of looked at each other on the edge of the box like, oh crap, do we have to go and press him down? And they were, they were sat so deep and I haven't seen Stoke pin a team back like that before. So yeah, I think, I think it'll just come. We'll just stop being crap in the last 30 seconds of a match and we'll hold on to it. Yeah, uh if there was a, a pattern with with these with the manner in which we conceded these late equalizers then maybe there'd be cause for concern but like you say the uh the other week i was kind of having to go at Rowett a bit for uh shitting his pants against reading and, and bringing us deep but like you say after we went 2-1 up against villa we were on the front foot so i can't have a go at him for for doing the opposite of what i had to go at him for doing against reading so um yeah, I'm. I've yeah. I feel a lot better about this draw than I have draws in the past. Obviously, the the quality of the opponent is something to take into account, and obviously it's gut wrenching to to throw away a lead twice. But uh, wow, I'm 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 getting in, I'm getting impressed. I'm getting I'm warming to this Stoke side. Kind of finally, the the Derby game was a was a big factor, of course. But uh, to go to Villa Park, a, a game I. Uh, expected us to lose, I think, and get a not not just a a point, but a point where it should have been three is a sign of progress. And we've got winnable games coming up. Yeah, now. Millwall are one of uh, the worst teams in the league. Um, that's what the Not Top Twenty podcast said this morning. So we'll go off there things. Hopefully, we get another sort of. I'd take another performance like we had against Ipswich. That that two nil, Stoke looked crap, but we won anyway. Kind of thing. Just getting the three points on the board. And just, like, before we move on to anything else, I've been really impressed with, like, the tactical flexibility of the team and, like, a general understanding that I don't think we've ever had. Because even in the false nine, I sort of, especially looking back on it now, you had that overwhelming feeling that Hughes just went... Ah oh, shit, Affalai's playing well, Bojan's playing well, they both play in the same position, how am I going to get them in the team together? Well, that'll do, we'll play, we'll play Bojan up front. Kind of fell into yeah, it. Yeah, there was never, 
any sort of tactical plan. And then the same seemed to happen with Lambert. I thought in that first game against Huddersfield, crap, here we go, high pressing, here we come, this is going to happen. And that was like the only time we saw that. Whereas I feel under Rowett, we've been... And I wouldn't say we have one distinctive style. We've been... But, but the squad all seem to understand whatever they're supposed to be doing because we've seen in the Ipswich game, especially out of possession, Allen was pushing up quite far advanced and it almost looked like a 4-4-2 just to sort of apply a bit more pressure to their back line. And I thought Klukas started doing that in the Villa game and, and they weren't leaving gaping holes when they made those runs forward. They were both screening the man who they'd left behind and Woods and whoever was left behind sort of move the system and this is what Rowett looking at what he said before he came in and other things is what he sort of is all about he's all about this picking the best way to beat a team and yeah I I think I've just been dead impressed with how maybe not in this whole run of them beating games but especially in the last five how tactically drilled we look Mm. yeah Question from Matt Smith: Can we ha- can we get a McLean shout out, please? Just want to say, as he's currently leading our assist charts, does he warrant a place for all those who didn't want him in the side based on ability? Uh, I have to say, uh, from from my point of view, I thought McLean was absolutely fantastic against Villa. I thought that's possibly one of his strongest games so far. But he didn't do anything particularly different this Villa game. Maybe the quality of the right back played a part. I don't. I don't think El Mohamedi had a had a good game at all. But uh, the the usual he was doing the usual James McLean stuff, bombing bombing up the channels. You know, full of um, you know, just grit and working hard and all all that stuff. But uh, he was he was beating players. He his delivery was better. Uh, Mc, McLean, he's he's. Winning people over? Question mark. Yeah, I love him. I like. I actually really, really like the bloke. He's. I, I think it, for all of this talk of shithousery and rower, if there is anyone in our squad who embodies that, it's James McLean. I mean, the way he just sort of he just dominated Hutton for that first goal. Hutton, who's all excited because he scored a nice goal against Birmingham. Birmingham just let him run through them basically and he just went you're crap and just knocked him over on the opposite wing as well and I was saying I said on Twitter that I can't have we ever had a winger who plays like that Arnie maybe when he's pissed off but Lawrence Everington Pennant Shakiri, Arnie none of them sort of had that horribleness to their game that McLean has whereas I because if I was a, a centre half or a full back trying to build from the back and you know that McLean's your man fucking hell you must be every time you've got your back to wherever he is you must be scared that he's just going to come straight through the back of you and it's just a nice thing to have and he's living up to his price tag now really yeah and it's a it's a nice mixture when they're both on song to have him and it's not that not that kind of winger at all who will cut inside and uh, do more of that link-up play stuff. It's it's a nice kind of uh, nice to have those two different options rather than two identical wingers. You know, go around the outside, cross it in, and I, I have uh, enjoyed our approach play a lot more. We we do look like we know what we're doing, especially when Sido is 
the front man, uh, especially now with Joe Allen. Uh, uh, a lot of comments about Joe Allen's performance yesterday. Obviously, obviously he scored a goal. Um, he's reminding me a bit of that time he had in the, I'll use uh, air quotes, the, the number 10 role in the Premier League where he went on that scoring run for a bit and everyone was a bit like, oh, is Joe Allen a number 10 now? He's not quite that and he's not doing a number 10 role at all. But I do like him bombing forward sometimes. If he could finish, he'd be he'd, he'd be out the club long ago. But I think Rossini called him the best midfielder in the league on the uh, Sky uh, Championship highlight show. So, uh, Tom, I know you're a long-time fan of his. <laughs> Uh, can we have some props for Mr. Joe Allen? Please? Yeah, uh, and I think I'll even defend his finishing because um, the, the chances he had against Villa, I think he had four or five shots. None of them were particularly... I know they looked quite uh, nice, strong chances, but according to our uh, old friend, expected goals, they weren't desperately great chances. And I think... I'm not criticising Allen here. I'm just praising. Oh, I'm just God. praising other things. I think the system and Woods in particular makes up for maybe some of the perceived failings that I have in Allen's game in that sometimes he works too hard, which I suppose is a, is a nice criticism um, and can leave gaps. But now we've got those filled in. Yeah. I was sort of stood there and people say I have an agenda against Joe Allen and it's totally true. I don't want him to do well because he broke Bojan and Imbula. But I was stood there and I was like, wow, this is, this is what I expected from what I reckon is the best paid player in the championship. And he scored, is it, is it three in five, which yeah, Mm. that's if we're playing this one striker system without sort of a number 10 or wingers who are totally focused on scoring goals, we need that presence from him and Klukas and they've both brought it. So it's great. Hmm. And uh, another midfielder who's kind of maybe slipped under the radar. He's not getting talked about in such glowing terms anymore. Not that, not that he's coming for much criticism either, but Ryan Woods has kind of maybe just drifted into the background a bit. There's there's not a lot of people uh, raving about him as they were when he first joined and you could see the impact he was making. I think maybe we're even taking Ryan Woods a bit for granted now. Uh, but you'll uh, continually uh, post those stats of how good we've been with Woods versus how good we've been without Woods. And uh, I I just, I really like our midfield. And the the surprising thing, uh, particularly for me, is that those three were not the three I necessarily would have had in mind for our midfield at the start of the season. Uh, Etebo, I don't see how he gets back into that uh, midfield at all. I don't. Yeah. And despite despite Atebo being really good for a few games this season, so it's it's a difficult one. Uh, then uh, I'm sorry to to mention his name, but uh, it doesn't look like there's a way back for Bojan. It probably doesn't, and I, I think that the more we see this team play, and the more we see this tactical flexibility that I've talked about. Uh, <laughs> I'm not justifying it because it's a horrible situation and I adore Bojan and if I could, I'd build a team around him. But I more and more see why Rauer isn't, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Because this midfield three and Etebo as well coming in can sort of... You can have 
whatever you want. You can have all three of them sitting deep. You can have almost all three of them push forward. You could have one go ahead of the other two to make like a number 10 role. And he does that constantly within the game. And they all seem to understand when is the time to do that and when that is needed. But with Bojan, you'd be a bit more stuck. And, and Rowett talked about that in relation to Vidra when he joined. So yeah, I think now it's a bit, it's turning into the Muni situation all over again. I think he probably needs to go for his sake and for our sake because he will always be loved and all I want is the best for him. And if you love something, you've got to be prepared to let it go. Beautiful. Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up for me. I I am the same. I, I do think there could and perhaps should be a place for him at Stoke. But in fairness to Gary Rowett, to... To come in here and uh, bomb out possibly the, the most loved player in that squad, uh, you can make a case for Ryan Shawcross, to, to bomb out Bojan and bomb out uh, Moritz Bauer, who a lot of people were raving about last season. Those are some big calls, and if he backs them up with results, then, then nobody will remember Moritz Bauer come the end of the season, uh, and people will maybe forgive him for for taking Bojan out as well. So you've got to uh, commend him for uh, being brave enough to do that because I think a lot of managers would perhaps run scared of of doing that for fear of pissing off the fan base. Uh, I I get the sense that Rowett maybe even likes pissing (laughs) off the fan base a bit because we we do have this kind of weird uh, love-hate relationship with with our players and our manager. Um, and whatever it is, certainly in terms of the derby game, it, it, it's working. This kind of uh, this edge. There's there's an edge to home games now, uh, which isn't always a good thing. Sometimes I I see people moaning at a backwards pass, and I think, oh fucking hell, can we be a bit more, you know, a, not appreciative, but a bit more patient and a bit more. Uh, understanding of how football works and we because we're not a side used to having the ball all the time people get uncomfortable with us having the ball all the time so you know knock it long to crouchy come on what we do in passing it back and that stuff pisses me off but then also uh things like the Ipswich game where it's just a slog I, I do have a sympathy for that so um th- there is like uh a bit of a passag thing going on with Rowett. He's he's like he's like oh yeah nothing I do is good enough kind of stuff. But if that's if that's motivating him, yeah, hey, brilliant. If, if you need yeah. <laughs> no one's doing a bad yeah. Guardiola impression today. Yeah, yeah. He he's a. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll have a go. I'll have a go. If you want to hate me, hate me, guys, guys. <sighs> but that that but. Uh, more Brummy is he Brummy? Yeah, it's Bromsgrove, isn't he? So like South Bromsgrove. Birmingham, posh Birmingham. If you want to hate me, hate me, guys. <laughs> A bit more Sean Dyche as well. You've got that like <laughs> the thing that eating worms must give you voice. Mm. Uh, I I would liken uh, Rowett to a more successful at a lower level Mourinho. Because Mourinho's doing that with Man United, except he's being actually crap as well. 
Uh-huh. Bombing out the big players, just pissed off with everyone, uh, looks gloomy and miserable. But uh, at the moment, uh, having had Mr. Nice Guy Paul Lambert, <laughs> like, oh, everything, everything's brilliant. Oh, these lads are so nice. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's fun. Oh, well, oh, well, we'll keep going, lads. It's all right. What do you mean relegated? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's nice to have a right. manager with a personality that isn't just either totally miserable or like just joy. It's good. Oh, it has emotions. And after Mark Hughes, it's nice to have a manager with a personality. <laughs> after Mark Hughes, it's nice to have a manager. <laughs> oh, damn. After Mark Hughes, it's nice. <laughs> has Southampton fans learned at the weekend? <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a good weekend for the old agendas uh, seeing uh, not only Southampton revitalised without Mark Hughes but also seeing Jordan just oh. announce himself properly at Anfield like that uh, yeah deflections and all the rest of it but still uh, I, uh, I I told Liverpool mates of mine when he joined, no seriously this guy is quality, don't look at where Stoke are on the table, uh, look at this guy when you've seen him and yeah, now they've all realised he's he's dying. Yeah, I went back through the uh, the group chat this weekend to find because one of the, one of my friends is a Liverpool fan as well, and there's a Villa fan in there, and the Villa fan quote tweeted by the end of the season, uh, Shakiri will be at West Ham. And I was just like, hmm, thoughts on this now? No, he's quality, and it's it's nice to see like him and Arnie just you know at times being able to rip the Premier League up, and I'm just appreciative that we had them and they gave us what we did. Yeah, yeah. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? Uh, next up for Stoke, as we mentioned, Millwall at home. Then the packed Christmas schedule sees us travel to Birmingham on Boxing Day and then Bolton on the 29th. Uh, like I said before, three winnable games. Uh, could we extend this one, beat and run to 12? 12 just too much. Yeah, no one it? goes on 12 game and beat and run. Only good teams do that, like Guardiola or like Klopp and Liverpool. 12's just, that's not a Stoke number, is it, unbeaten? If Stoke went 12 games yeah. unbeaten, you'd expect at least 11 to be draws. Mm. Uh, the thing is, I think, yeah, it, it's weird. I, I think we shouldn't lose any of these three really if we, if we've got serious playoff aspirations and yet I I look at 12 games unbeaten as being way too much for Stoke even with a load of draws so I'm expecting something to go wrong at some point Birmingham away looks like it, well well it is the the toughest of the three by far uh, Monk's kind of worked out what he's doing with them they are a bit dangerous uh, before the Birmingham Derby, they were they were going very well indeed. They've beaten I was us. I'd say they were the only team. They were well. the last team to beat us. Yeah, the yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't want this run to start and end with Birmingham City. That's that's miserable. Isn't yeah, it? Rowett will be bloody pissed Birmingham. off at that, won't he? <laughs> yeah, Birmingham bloody City. Uh, so, but looking forward to these. Uh, beat Millwall. Beat Birmingham. Beat Bolton. And then, whoo, let's all get excited again. Beat everyone else. Win the league. Yes, let's let's just win all our games. We're going back to this arrogance we had at the start of the season. We've got to win every bloody we game. We might never lose ever again. Just Oh, that would be fantastic. We'll win the cup 112 well. game unbeaten run. I expect nothing yes. less. 
Oh, yeah. Our unbeaten run will end uh, when we've already wrapped up the Premier League title and we send out the the kids against Man City. (laughs) They beat us 2-1 via a deflection, ruining our perfect Premier League season, (laughs) record-breaking points total and all the rest of it. And then fans will call for row it out. <laughs> it's just not good enough. But then he will blame the performance on um, the people in the away end who smashed up Man City's toilets, which obviously plays with the kids' <laughs> head a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, what do we need to make as a playoff side, apart from obviously winning more games and getting more points? Is, is there anything on the pitch that you think either sign a player in January or a tactical tweak here or an improved performance by an individual player that could turn these draws into wins. I think we need a right back to either to sign one or a right back to like step up and own that position because I think I think um, mm. Bunny mentioned it that the Martinez keeps seeming to be like undone at the back post and yeah in the system that we're playing where maybe we don't have the most marauding fullbacks and he certainly isn't one. They need to, the, the bare minimum is defensive stability and Eric Peters has shown just how important and good that can be because he should be player of the season at the minute for me. Um, it's just someone to match that performance on the right of the defence because the, the centre seems to be covered. Shawcross and Williams are both looking in fantastic form same with Bruno who can't get in because of those two being good it's just that and apart from that I don't really think much else maybe a bit more depth and I don't really know where another winger or something but just for things to start falling into place I think that's all it's going to take Mm. Uh, word on Ryan Shawcross of course but uh, entered the top 10 all-time appearance makers for Stoke City. 426, is it? That's a lot of games. Uh, a ridiculous uh, amount of games, uh, especially, uh, quote, in the modern era as well, to, for a player to be at a club for, for that long. And uh, no matter how poorly he plays, I never enjoy criticising Ryan Shawkus at all, purely for that reason. And... Uh, he shouldn't be immune from criticism but uh, like you say he's playing a lot better now and what an absolute hero what an absolute legend um, oh, yeah. I love Ryan I think I it'd Ryan. just be beautiful wouldn't it for the narrative's sake for him to take us up again sort of yeah, because uh, he took us up in that first season as the uh, a really important addition to the defence. I don't think we would have got promoted without him in that squad. But for him to now go on and do it as captain after playing for the club for the entirety of that time in the Premier League. Oh, that, you could write a nice book on that. You could build a nice statue about that. We should do both. <laughs> he, he scored on his debut, of course, so it would be nice to bookend that with the oh. winner in the playoff final. Oh. Anyone? I don't think I could take it. I think I'd, I'd just melt. Heart would explode. I, no, yeah, I wouldn't explode. I'd just, it'd just be perfection. I'd just melt into Wembley, and I would forever be a part mm. of Wembley Stadium because of that moment. <laughs> oh, don't sit there, mate. There's the, the puddle of Tom Throw is there, uh, ruining people's day out. Okay. Uh, speaking of silliness, we will have. Uh, the third instalment of 
what is becoming my favourite part of the podcast, Ryan's question. Ryan Williams uh, sent us another question with a vague footballing tint to it. He says, Hi guys, this week's question is a long one, so bear with me. Last night something strange and mystical happened. Denise Coates was visited by three ghosts. When she woke up, she began feeling in a very feeling a very charitable mood. As it was close to Christmas, she thought she'd buy every member of the Stoke City squad a Christmas present. But she had some problems deciding what to buy them with all her millions of pounds. She needed three wise-ish men to help her. There was only one place she could possibly find these men, and that was obviously the Wizards of Drivel podcast. She has sensibly divided the squad into three sections, so it wouldn't be too much work for you all. Uh, she has bestowed upon uh, upon you the task of buying the defenders' gifts, one the midfield, and finally the strikers and goalkeepers. You have a maximum budget of two hundred and fifty million. What are the very lucky Stoke players getting <laughs> this year? Uh, now. Instant problem, of course, is that it's only me and Tom today. So, uh, the uh, I appreciate you dividing the question up for uh, a three-man podcast, Ryan. But uh, unfortunately, there's only two of us. So I've uh, interpreted this question on an individual basis, thinking of Christmas presents uh, for Stoke players. Uh, Tom, do you have? Yeah, any? and I'm going to start with the number one with Jack Butland. I think I'm just going to get him a DVD of the, um, or maybe not a DVD, I'll just download it onto his phone or something. I'll put my phone number in there as well. Um, Of the Chelsea win in the League Cup, apart from I'm just going to cut it down to that Eden Hazard penalty save. (laughs) And just, just, you know, to to really teach him that, Jack, look, that's the best player in the Premier League at the minute and you saved his penalty. Maybe you can do it again. Oh, it's, it's I, I, so, I do it's, feel sorry for him. He gets so much stick for it, but you could see him yeah. doing all of the things that they'd learn um, on the England camp for it. I don't know if you could see him on the stream, but he slowed down the penalty, and that was something they talked about, about making the penalty your own thing and dominating it, and that's how England had their yeah. success. And I think he was drinking from his water bowl for a long time as well, so I don't know if he had notes on that like they did as well. But yeah, mm. uh, yeah, that'd be my present for Jack. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels weird to to be frustrated with a goalkeeper for not saving penalties, which are very, very difficult to do. Uh, but it's like he hasn't saved one in a in a league game, has he? So it's oh, bloody hell, come on! And also the the uh, Anfield semi final, it was like yeah, they're scoring every one of them <laughs> they put on target is. Isn't it? Uh, for Jack Butland, I've actually um, been looking on Amazon and uh, I found a book called Project You More Than 50 Ways to Calm Down, De Stress, and Feel Great. <laughs> uh, just because I think uh, when we concede, he is the angriest man in the world. <laughs> and so that's it's nice to see the passion from a goalkeeper and frustration at his, at his defence. But oh, I, I worry for his blood pressure sometimes. So. Uh, maybe some self-reflection and meditation over the Christmas period would uh, do him some good. Uh, any more, Tom? You can go now because I'm gonna have to hurriedly think of one while you do one. Okay, I'll r- I'll rattle through <laughs> all of mine then. Uh, I've got one, two, three, uh, about eight players here that I've managed to think of one for. Uh, for Cuco Martina, he's getting the most expensive present. Uh, I would finance a documentary for him. Uh, you know, like the 
you, Netflix and Amazon Prime are going to town on football documentaries mm-hmm. now. Uh, and uh, I'd do it in the style of uh, the latest Barcelona one, but I'd call it take the ball, head the ball. No, seriously, head the ball. <laughs> so that would be a few million quid, and it'd be about his journey from uh, mediocre championship right back to uh, above average championship right back. <laughs> you know, get people download that. What, in what an inspirational thousand. journey! <laughs> Going from being not too bad to not too good. <laughs> That's basically our season, isn't yeah, it? Pretty much. Um, Eric, I would buy some hand cream, just because I think he spent so much time clapping the fans that he he might have worn away his skin a bit. I'm a bit worried that he's perhaps not moisturising enough. He'll get some calluses if he's not careful. You know. <laughs> Uh, he does a lot of clapping, so I'll get him some hand cream. Uh, Joe Allen, a uh, few hundred quid this would be. A full body tattoo of a Wales <laughs> So when he pulled on a Stoke shirt, it'd be like he was playing for Wales. Very good. And yeah, he'd be amazing. Uh, um, Tom Ince, the original Star Wars series on Blu-ray, uh, because it's about uh, a, a cocky young guy like emerging from his father's shadow and then eventually defeating him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I, I, th- I think he might see something to uh, relate to in there. Um, Benicophobe. <laughs> James McLean. James McLean, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Good. Obviously. Good. Uh, Bo- Bojan, a football. Oh, oh, I know. Oh. Uh, the football would have a smiley face on it just to, you know... Keep, keep your spirits up, mate. Oh. And finally, uh, Gary Rower, uh, uh, in relation to that, I'd get him a DVD of the Man City home game from 2015 uh, just just to just to show that <laughs> Bojan can oh. be good. F- football can be really happy sometimes. Maybe, uh, I'd maybe get him some balloons or something. Something to cheer him up. Something to... Uh, what does he like? What do you reckon Gary Rowett likes doing in his spare time? Can we not go back to this bullying him by calling him boring and saying he like? But <laughs> yeah, no. I bet he walks a lot. I can see him. He do, yeah, just like he'll do a nice ramble. Yeah, he was and staring off into the distance and just nodding his head while drinking from a <laughs> flask or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I can picture the the barber jacket already. Yeah. Uh. So thank you for that, Ryan. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you've hurriedly been able to think of any Christmas presents. I, I, I hurriedly thought of one for Bojan, which is sort of along the same lines, and it's just a one-way ticket to Girona. Um, uh, yeah, because they're complete the Mooney story. Go and be happy, my son. Um, <laughs> I, I said a mirror for Eric uh, Peters because see, that's, that's I don't lovely. think he's vain enough. He's a really good-looking guy, and he should look at himself a bit more because um, if I was Eric Peters, that's what I'd do. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really. I, I I didn't have enough time to to come up with as thorough. No, as... yeah, that's that's entirely my fault as well. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Ryan. You've been listening to episode one hundred and forty-eight of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a Millwall preview pod during the week, and then after that, it will be our Christmas special. When that will be out, I'm not sure yet because. Uh, because it's a it's a hectic Christmas schedule for podcasters as well as players, uh, but don't worry about us; we'll be all right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Tom, Thanks for having me. Go on, Stoke. <laughs>